This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. California punk rocker friend, Mr. Anthony Kaffer. Hello. Good to see you, buddy. Good huh? to see you. Excited. I'm on, uh, it's so weird when your internet's down, you feel like yeah. you're just in the middle ages. You're like, what? <laughs> I have, what is going on? <laughs> Jeez, my phone? What am I, a peasant? So, yeah, <laughs> yeah, so yeah you got is, the headphones as a uh, microphone. Yeah, it's really weird because I have all this expensive equipment I can't use because the internet, who knows? Is something in the building? I don't know what's going on. It's Radio Shack building. Who knows? But uh, good to see you, buddy. It's good, good to see you. you. Seem good. You got married. I got married. Thank that. you. That's so exciting! <laughs> I can't believe you actually got married. Before, <laughs> Me of all people. <laughs> before I did. Wow! Yeah. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, she said yes. Good work on that. Um, yeah. I feel like it's kind of a hostage situation, but she said yes. So. She did. <laughs> Well, you know, you squatter like, rights. I, yeah. I said I wasn't going to leave the apartment. Yeah, I feel like you had her dog in a headlock, but uh, that's okay. You're going to do this, right? You're going to do it. <laughs> well, good work. Good work wearing her down. Good work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, it's funny. You're a married man. That's exciting. Yeah, it's and, pretty cool. Uh, you guys went to the uh, the courthouse. Yeah, we went down to the courthouse, uh, and uh, it's romantic. like the <laughs> window number seven. You know, we, <laughs> we took a number. Can I get can called... I get fries with that? Thanks. <laughs> I get. Uh... <laughs> yeah, it's <laughs> weird. It's, you show up at the window. It's like the DMV. Yeah. Well, you know, it's. Uh, it's are you going to do a big wedding later? Or maybe not. Uh, you know? No, we're that was that was it. We're. That was good enough. You know, we had we had a photographer <laughs> come and take some photos of it, so uh, it feels real. Yes. Yeah, see, I have a lot of rich friends, so I'm definitely going to have a wedding at some point. Oh, so, yeah. Because you got you got to do it for the money. Yeah, you got to make you got to right. make money on your love. That's what it's all about. Oh, maybe maybe I should rethink this. <laughs> yeah, you can make like twenty grand if you play it right, a hundred grand if you really do it right. So, but yeah, how gotta, much do you, you gotta, spend on the wedding though? You're just gonna break even. It's no, it's no. That's you put in your receipts, and you don't break even. You just like you figure it out. It depends on who you're inviting. Uh, you know, I, I I got I got famous friends, bro. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna invite Barry Ribs. You know what I mean? I'm yeah, inviting yeah. high end people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like I don't have don't that many certain, famous. Yeah. yeah. If you don't make a certain price break, you don't. You're not invited. I have like three. There's three kidneys, like you and a couple of guys. But everybody else has to make a certain amount. A couple of charity cases. Yeah, a couple of charity. You got to throw it out for charity. But, but then yeah. it's going to be, you know, the top twenty. You know, they got they got to be bringing it, bringing it, bringing in the cash. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Um, yeah. You so been? you know, uh, you know, I'm all right. I'm just uh, just frustrated about this internet thing, but I'm good. Um, had a good week. I'm going out. I'm going out on the road on Wednesday, so that's why we're nice. doing to pre-record everybody. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's good. Uh, all right, let's just get into it. Let's bring in the riffraff. You ready? All right. Ready. Bring in my riffraff. You might have seen them on here, but I'm just going for them. Different holds to different Got Wendy pregnant, and man, that was all she wrote. He's not pregnant. Anthony, Anthony knows better. <laughs> He's not passing on his DNA. There's no way. There's no, no way. He's, he knows better. He's not doing gonna that end to a kid. With me. 
Yeah, me too. I, I, I don't think, you know, some people it's like, I'm good. Yeah. I'd either have a serial killer or a genius, but probably a serial killer. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to tap out. I don't think anybody wants to have kids. Jeff really didn't want to have kids. He just, he married up like you. So <laughs> you got to do something. <laughs> you got to have an exit plan. <laughs> we're, we're all artists. We're going to figure it out. Very cool. Adam, you think you'll have kids? Uh, I don't know. I don't know. You know what? I was yeah. actually thinking of it right before uh, the pandemic hit. And then I saw all my friends struggling with their kids and mm-hmm. it just, <laughs> you know, it doesn't, yeah. I don't know. It doesn't seem like the right time. Yeah. You can't watch as much porn when you have kids. Right. right? Yeah, of, <laughs> That's the main of, reason. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of downsides. Did you get a dog though? Didn't you get a dog in the pandemic? Uh, I, I, I got a dog uh, bef- right before, right before oh, it was yeah. like a year before oh, okay. the pandemic. Yeah. Little, uh, little pit bull. Yep. Oh, okay. Cool. Just checking. Make sure yeah. you didn't like sell it on eBay or something. Oh no. <laughs> trade it. Trade it for uh, some uh, Joan Jet vinyl or something. Right. <laughs> um, let's do some random pulls, shall we? Uh, let's see. Random pulls. Since we're doing comedy month, uh, I don't know if you can see it because I have a tiny screen on my on my phone here. Um, I've wanted this album for a while. I found it on the road. Uh, this is a really good Dick Gregory album. This is uh, Frankenstein. This is a double, it's a double LP. Um, it's got a nice uh, little thing there. It's like you know, Frankenstein oh, cool. face. Yeah. You know, the big centerfold of Frankenstein. Um, green penis. I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> so yeah, this is good. I love Dick Gregory. Um, you know, a lot of people you know, don't mention him as much as they should. You know, it's always, they always skip. They always go Lenny Bruce and then they go to like, you know, Bill Hicks or whatever. And it's like, there's a, there's a lot in between. And Dick Gregory was actually a little bit before Lenny Bruce. And he was around the days of Mort Saul and stuff. And so he was a guy that's taken risks. His interesting story, we talked about him before we covered an album on here. And I love Dick Gregory. This is a cool album. Uh, you know, I love all the stuff that he's talking about in this. It's like checking out White's. Uh, riots, um, Patriots, David Eisenhower. Uh, you learn some history when you listen to the old comedy albums. You're like, oh, that happened. And <laughs> it's like Black Power, which, you know, we all love that from Dick Gregory. Money, Chicago Trial, uh, the Black Panthers, uh, Chicago Trial of the Black Panthers, and uh, Sugar Bear and blood stuff. This is recorded at the Bronx Community College Ooh. in Bronx, New York. Uh, That's where I'm from. May, March 20th, 1970. So, uh, yeah, this is, uh, you know, it's, it's great to, you know, if, you, if you're if you into Dick Gregory, this is a cool album. And let's see, another uh, comedy album. I'm sure Anthony's going to love this. Monty Python Live. Oh, This is a really cool album uh, live at City Center. And, uh, you know, I felt Monty Python really, it, Monty Python and Benny Hill kind of introduced yeah. me and my mom's Cheech and Chong records. Oh, I, yeah, it, kinda, it, You know, kind of opened my mind to what was funny and what was irreverent. And uh, this is cool. This is all kind of their live, their st- kind of sketch on, you know, in on a live stage, which is really cool. Um, yeah. And this is, if you get a chance, this is really great stuff. So uh, this, what that, stuff is on there? Uh, it doesn't say exactly. I'm gonna have to on the back. So let me see. This. We got it just says live show. <laughs> it doesn't tell you what it is. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's some of the, the body python stuff. You know. Uh, let's see. No, I'm saying you just gotta listen to it if you want to find out what's on there. <laughs> I think my and uncle used to play that one when I, I used was a to kid. love Monty Python. Yeah. Yeah, it's good stuff, man. It's just like silly and ridiculous and you know, just I don't know. It's like British humor too, was so much better than American humor. And I feel like American humor got better, you know, yeah. with time with Richard Pryor and George Carlin mm-hmm. and all that stuff. But I feel like, you know, the Brits have always kind of been on point with kind of their comedy. It's yeah. still funnier. Like I like the uh, English office way better than the, the American. It's, it, it's just funnier to me. I don't know why. Um, so yeah, I'll do some other random pulls. These have nothing to do with any themes or anything. Uh, I've been playing the hell out of this album. This is the latest uh, 21 pilots. Oh, album. okay. <laughs> um, I really like this band. It's not something I normally listen to, um, 
but uh, just sort of really getting into them. This is their latest album. They have a couple other albums. It's it's just a nice groove of an album. Like you could just put it on, and it's just like it's got a little bit of everything. It's got kind of a pop sound, a little kind of you know a little, little taste of hip hop, you know whatever, and jazz and stuff. It's just a really great pop band, and uh, not something I normally listen to, but I can't get enough of it. Like I I want to get all their albums now. So I've kind of been introduced to them actually this year. I'm not a like old fan or anything, but I really I'm digging their their stuff. And this is a great album. This is their latest album, I believe. Yeah, 2021. And nice. uh, yeah, Choker is a great song. Uh, that's uh, you know I think Anthony's into that sexually, but um, it's, <laughs> by himself. Uh, <laughs> 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 he's a married man. He don't have to be by himself anymore. He's got no. He's got, that's exactly what's going to happen. <laughs> oh, well, like, Jeff's like, let me tell you about marriage. There's a lot of choking yourself. Uh, this is a good album. And I like the album a, cover too. Yeah, it's, it's a dragon, cool you know, dragon tattoo looking. And yeah. this is uh, really one of my favorite. Uh, you know, I like this. I like a lot of California Ooh. punk and yeah. uh, adolescence. This is a great album. Uh, Orange County punk, Agent Orange, all that stuff. Social Storage. So it's like this is this is a really cool album. I've wanted this. I got this. Uh, you know, just, yeah, this is a classic. It's like forty-one years old. This album. Yeah. It's it's amazing how it still holds up. It still sounds like any as good as any punk you're gonna hear now. Because I don't think yeah. punk now has you know it doesn't really sound any different. That they're not you, you know you can't really do a lot of new punk really sound yeah. wise. You're really gonna you're gonna draw from the classic guys. Mm -hmm. And so this is great stuff. And I love American American punk. It should be yeah. you know embraced a little more because I think we're always going British and stuff like that. So adolescence this is great album. Nice. Um, uh, no way is a really good song. LA Girl, LA Girl's really going too. So, uh, yeah, get this 41 years old anniversary. Check it out, Adolescence. Adolescence, so, yeah. follow me on Twitter. Did, Did you know that? Yeah, oh, they started huge. following me like a month ago. They retweeted me today. Uh, today, nope. how, how <laughs> ironic! How ironic yeah. is that? I didn't I actually didn't know that. Me. That's not why I pulled it. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, that's it's amazing. So I guess I don't like them now. But um, <laughs> I guess they've lost their clout. I guess what are they working at Trader Joe's? And today, um, I'm gonna go ahead and start. And is that cool, or do you want to go first, Jeff? Do I don't first? care. Okay. Uh, All right. I mean, Pat Benatar follows me on Twitter. Does, Does she? she? No, but no. Uh, <laughs> that would be cool if she did. Wishful thinking. <laughs> you know what? Let's go, Jeff, first. We'll go, Jeff. Jeff, what do you got today? Okay. So I'm going to do the uh, comedy album and I'm going to do 1989 uh, debut album of Andrew Dice Clay Dice. Um, for me, growing up, man, this is what I listened to all the time. I mean, it was either you could, and that's a big stretch. It was either this or Delirious, uh, Eddie Murphy. But oh, I mean, yeah. it was just Dice who I identified so much with. Um, the album is produced by Rick Rubin, and man, Dice was just like so huge in the eighties and controversial. And you know, I mean, I, I don't know if anyone doesn't know who he is, but if you're not sure, he was the uh, his character was the Brooklyn guy. His material was kind of uh, misogynist, a little homophobic. He was this chain smoking guy. But somehow, I mean, he was tremendous. This album went gold, which means it sold over half a million uh, copies. And he was really like one of the first comedians that I knew of that was playing arenas. I, I mean, I had got to see him in some clubs. I saw him as he was uh, coming up and then I saw him as he was coming down um, but he was a guy who played Madison Square Garden I mean he was just huge and this album uh, for people who discovered him around this time uh, this is the album that's famous for the dirty nursery mm -hmm. rhymes the dirty mother goose uh, uh, nursery rhymes but there are also things on here that I liked that I think were funny I thought like the bit the uh, golden age of television when he's talking about i dream a genie is funny you know i mean and again it, it's i guess now it's predictable i don't know if it's predictable because 
you know, I'm, I'm older and more mature or because I heard this a million times, but like, you know, he's like, when he talks about, I dream a genie, he's like, uh, you know, if you look closely, you can see Bush, you know, uh, <laughs> he, he's kind of like laid back when he talks about it. I always, to this day, I still think hogging is one of the funniest things I've ever heard. When he's talk, talking about picking up, you know, a fat chick at a bar and he's like, <laughs> <laughs> he's like i mean i'm talking like really about like three four hundred pounds like you gotta butter her hips just to get her through the door <laughs> and i'm saying sweet things like i got fudge yeah it's like i mean you can never do this shit today but back in the 80s man everybody who i knew listened to this and this was like big a day at the beach um, you know, where he's talking about uh, sitting at the beach and he's like, you're looking at some ass and you're saying to yourself, oh, yeah, I got to have that. I mean, funny <laughs> talking about smoking. Um, yeah, but like, but also remember when this stuff came out, this was at the height of the 80s. And if you remember what the 80s was, the 80s was freewheeling, over the top uh excess like sex and drugs and so i guess comedy would kind of like be part of that where he would be over the top and i think his goal was to get a rise out of people and he certainly did that um in the uh, i guess it was it might be like the earlier 90s where he goes on saturday night live and some cast members refused to uh do the show because he was uh uh hosting um he i think his he starts to, uh, you know, go down, you know, cause they, I mean, the guy wound up becoming the star of his own movie and the movie was just a bomb, the, uh, the failure, the uh, adventures of Ford failing. But I mean, the thing I liked about Dice um, was he was probably, he was still to this day, I think is probably one of, one of, if not the most fearless comedian that I know. You know, um, he would do this thing when he was first starting out called Kamikaze Comedy, where uh, Wheels Parisi, who was the uh, open mic MC at Pips, would, you know, they would go to like uh, it'd be 830 in the morning. People would be online for coffee and bagels uh, and he would they would bust open the door. Wheels would introduce Dice and he'd just start doing comedy while people were online getting their coffee and bagels. I mean, that I mean, that is really that, that that is guts, and when you talk to comedians like like Florentine, who who knew him pretty well, he would say they'd be in a car and they'd just be riffing about something. And that night he'd go on stage and just do it as regular material. So I kind of always admired that you know that fearlessness, like he didn't care um, attitude. And I think that kind of comes out in his follow up album to this, the day the music, uh, the day the comedy died. Is that what oh, the laughter died? I think is what that it's second album was called. Yeah. Was yeah. that the follow up or was that later? I thought that was later. I thought he like had exploded albums like just dice and all no, this I don't stuff. Know. I think he came out with specials, but I don't think he came out with oh, anything okay. that was recorded. When he came okay. out with something that was recorded, it was those two albums. I think they were two gotcha. albums and they were both basically him doing like, you know, keeping the tape deck running and, and just doing a set and like with yeah. no staged audience like you know that was the, yeah. the set was the set but yeah so this this is it I'm, I'm curious to hear what you guys have to think about this um good brain fog insomnia moodiness weight gain maybe you think they're just part of getting older but many health understands that for women over 40 they can all connect to menopause it's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience not just hot flashes MIDI clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Yay. Thank you, Jeff. I knew you. What are the odds of you liking Dice Clay? Um, <laughs> <laughs> you don't think that's a stretch? <laughs> it's like, yeah. Like Anthony, you know, like Anthony, the like the Decemberists. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Come on. Andy Kaufman, yeah. Uh, I have this album. This is uh, it's a pretty rare album, actually. Uh, sort of a little bit of cash. Uh, this is uh, original pressing, so it's kind of cool. Nice. Wow, um, nice. That's nice. Yeah, it's, uh, it's a Rick Rubin, you know, production, which is always cool. Um, you know, I have mixed feelings about Dice. You know, I feel like he either kind of 
you know, took comedy to another level or he ruined comedy. So I can't, <laughs> I'm always in the middle of how I feel about him. Um, I feel like, you know, this is everything that he does. And I feel like after this album, it's pretty much this for the most part. Um, I feel like um, I was more of a Kinison guy for the most part. I feel Kinison took it to kind of, uh, you know, even though he was a character of himself and he was screaming and stuff, I felt it did feel a little more soulful. Whereas I feel, you know, I mean, Dice was, he was a John Travolta impressionist, you know, that's kind of how he started. Like he was just doing John Travolta on stage and Fonzie and stuff. And then he kind of, he was oh, just yeah. doing all like uh, impressions. He did all impressions um, before he did his act, before he, he ended up being the Dice Man. It was all like, yeah, you did Bobby Burrito. He was basically, you know, just an Italian cut hey, guy, and he would just hey, make fun sit of that. On it. Hey, sit on it. You know, <laughs> it was like all that stuff. He was an impressionist, and I mean, so was you know um, Lenny Bruce, and you know, a lot of people start out kind of whatever, and then he found this thing, and uh, you know, I think he perfected it. You know, I think uh, Dennis Miller said it best, where Andrew Dice Clay was Fonzie with Tourette's, and. <laughs> <laughs> So it was like the same. And when he came out, it was electric. You know, it was basically, it was him and Kennison. Those were the two guys that were doing this thing. You know, Kennison was before Kennison, right? Uh, around the same time, because Kennison was in Texas doing comedy. I think he might have popped before Kennison, but Kennison was definitely, you know, I don't, The well, they kind of did the, the comedian special, the young right. comedian special right. on Dangerfields. They both popped them at the same time. So I think it was around the same, yeah, I think, I don't know if it was the same special, but I think it was like they both did them. And when they both did those and then they popped. So it was definitely the same, maybe year, year time span. It definitely wasn't long. And then those two became instant rivals because it was either you either a Kennison guy or you were a dice guy. You know, and there's a there's a special where uh, Kennison's on stage and uh, he's doing something and he, he used to do the, you know, after a while, the drugs really got the best of Kennison. But uh, he had this thing where he, he would have a phone on stage and then someone would come up uh, from the audience and call their ex-girlfriend. And then he was just yell at him and you haw, you haw. And one guy is running up to talk to do that. And he has a dice shirt on. And then oh. Kennison makes him take the dice shirt off. And like the guy's like, take that fucking shirt off. And the guy takes the shirt off. He's just sitting there with his tits out. He's like, okay, let me call my ex. And so it's just a really funny thing. But uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of controversy with dice. Um, there's a lot of back room green room talk about dice clay that uh, he took Otto and george's uh, nursery rhyme bits and basically saw them and stole them and so there's a lot of kind of stuff that's that happens with that Otto and george if you don't know was kind of the dirty ventriloquist puppet and basically was dice on steroids and so people are saying that he took kind of that energy from the puppet and you know basically made it his own and so it's you know, there's a lot of controversy. Um, you know, I do like Dice as a showman. I think Dice was like, there's nobody that could engage that kind of persona that he, you know, he really just kind of crushed this thing that was happening in the eighties and, and taking it to another level. And, uh, but I think what ruined him, I don't think it was Ford Furlane, uh, that movie, what I think ruined Dice Clay is when he cried in Arsenio Hall. And uh, he was basically apologizing for being a misogynist. And I love women. I'm so sorry. And I felt like his fan base was like, what? What are you doing? And so I think that's what killed Dice for many years was uh, he didn't he didn't own who he was in that moment. He should have just been like, I don't give a shit. This jokes. What do you, what's wrong with you? Instead, he just broke down and cried on national television. I think that's what ruined him. Very and then Billy he had, Squire-ish. Yeah. <laughs> 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 Billy Squire cry on TV. <laughs> he just made a weird video. But, uh, so yeah, I think that's what it is. That's the thing. It's like, and then he came back and had a, uh, ended up doing a Woody Allen movie and had some good acting entourage. He's a great actor. You know, kind of, you know, he is a good actor. And I think he was able to kind of, you know, tap into it. He had a sitcom for a second and it didn't quite work out and stuff. He's like a, a rough dad kind of guy. Yeah. And, you know, but it's like, you know, but I do, 
I do think dice is important, um, but also I feel dice bred a lot of bad dice clays. And so, but I love Gino. I'm kidding. But I feel like there's a lot of people that try, <laughs> that try to do what dice did and dice was a perfectionist in kind of the way he did it and theatrics and the leather jacket and the thing. And I love all that. I mean, I'm a, I'm a showy guy. So I, I love the dice, you know, created comedy like that. It made comedy rock and roll. And, uh, but it, you know, but, it, but again, it's like sometimes these guys go too far with it. Like Kennison played too many songs. And uh, I think Dice at the at the Garden played drums and he wasn't that great a drummer, but he's still playing drums. I mean, well, I guess why wouldn't you? You know, you're playing the Garden. Let me play the drums at the Garden. So, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, this is a cool album. And it, what's really cool, I'll show up in a second. What's really cool about this album is that... Um, you you see what's about to be and it's like the the, the you know because right after this album he's the biggest comic in the world and so i think that's what's really cool when you listen to something before you know the, the in the time frame of when they exploded so it's really cool to listen to this to see because he perfected a lot of this stuff on his specials and stuff but it's still kind of he's still a stand-up on here he's still a guy playing a club and so but then you know after this he becomes this other thing that was you know Anyway, all right, that's what I got on Dice. Uh, Adam, how do you feel about Dice Play in this album, if you heard it? Yeah, I mean, uh, just like the Adam Sandler album from last week, this took me mm. back to, uh, this one took me back to middle school instead of high school. And um, <laughs> I remember me and my friends, uh, I think it was, it was probably right around the Dice Man Cometh, the uh, HBO special, I think, which, which was, I think, 89. Um, it, it was something that was, you know, it was taboo. It was something that uh, me and my friends would we memorized all the nursery rhymes so that we could just crack each other up at school. And um, it was kind of like um, at the time the truly tasteless joke books too that were that were out. Um, but but you know, like it's it's definitely um, you know it's definitely a bit difficult to to revisit now. Um, <laughs> but, <laughs> you're like you look at Is anybody listening right now? Is right, right. <laughs> but you know what? You know what's interesting is I watched. Um, so I couldn't find the album. I, I've listened to the album before, but I, I couldn't find it. It's not on streaming. It's not on YouTube. Um, but I listened to. Uh, well, I watched the One Night with Dice special from '87. Mm -hmm. So right before this, and then the Dice Man Cometh, which was okay, just right after this. And um, so it's pretty much all the same material. Yeah. Um, but it, but. One night with dice. You're talking about Travolta, about um, um, the, his the, his kind of Travolta meets uh, Fonzie kind of personality with the leather jacket and everything, and he really plays that up in One Night with Dice. But uh, it starts so cringy too because he comes oh. out to a rap song, like he he just <laughs> raps. It's <laughs> oh he raps he raps oh, yeah no. he raps yeah. to start oh, it no. out. Everybody and, uh, rapped in the eighties. Oh yeah yeah. Not everybody. Oh, oh, not everybody. Oh, George, George Carlin did yeah. rap. Right, too. <laughs> but this one, I mean, it, oh, it's so it's so bad. It reminded me of that that Black Forty Seven. Uh, uh, I forget the song of Black Forty Seven where they rapped. Oh, it was just mm. it was bad. But uh, um, so one night with Dice was more of a stand up special. Dice Man Cometh felt more like a rock show. I mean, you see people in the audience just pumping their fists. They're reciting every single one of his uh dirty nursery rhymes they're just yelling every single line back at him um but it's it's amazing it's just amazing to see that energy and to see um you know it was it definitely was something that was that was different i mean and like you said before it was just him and kinnison that were really really had that kind of rock star vibe around that time yeah and i think what happened too is there was you know a lot of us you know grew up in kind of this like you know christian you know, family atmosphere where, you know, everything was kind of, you know, Jesus, this and that. And then these guys come out and it's like, you know, it was, you didn't hurt anything like this yeah. before you weren't, you know, every, if I keep, you, right. you know, they weren't playing into this cable it was just beginning. And so, you know, it was like, it was kind of an explosion for people to kind of like be bad yeah. and like hear, hear bad things. And, you know, and just like, it was just outrageous. And I think it's like, that was what's exciting about it. You know, Anthony, what do you think? Uh, the dice, it, the dice. The You're dice. very similar to dice play. <laughs> oh me, so. yeah. Hey, oh, <laughs> uh, I, uh, well, I grew up in the Bronx, you know, and and in Brooklyn, like you know, Canarsie and Bensonhurst and stuff. So this I grew is up just, in uh, yeah. 
Yeah, and the, you, you guys know, are finally it, finding this out about each other. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> you know, mid, mid mid to late eighties and and nineties and and stuff like that. So, um, you know, that was everybody was the dice man in in yeah. those neighborhoods. So it's so it, true. <laughs> so uh, I was aware of some of the stuff as a kid, the nursery rhymes and stuff. You know, kids in school would would repeat them and and things like that. But um, but I was never like a huge dice fan i was aware of him but you know it's like a it's a goofy character he's he's good at what he does um but uh it's funny that you mentioned um that rick rick rubin did he produced that album he did yeah that makes sense sort of because it andrew well, he dice does Clay it also to like, make uh, money for def jam oh, okay but but andrew dice clay is sort of like if uh, the Beastie Boys in the Fight for Your Right video, all of them combined doing comedy is what <laughs> that album would, would be. That's, so it kind of makes sense. The Beastie Boys came out first, though. Yeah. They did. Yeah. They did. That's, that's what he's saying. That's what I'm saying. It, that's exactly what he's saying. Yeah. So he's, he, I'm just reiterating. He the, he yeah. on version of them. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that that's funny that he was that he was uh involved in that um but yeah i don't know it's if that's if you're looking for uh some of the the laziest most offensive comedy you've ever heard <laughs> nobody does it better than Andrew <laughs> Dice Clay. Well, i didn't, I didn't wow. see you taking this Shots take fired. on it anthony i got yeah no, <laughs> no. I you know, think, I mean, I, you'll I laugh. I guess. Lazy. I think it's yeah. a little lazy. It's yeah. like street I, jokes. I think so. A lot of it's kind of that street joke thing, uh, and it's all yeah. attitude, really. You know, it's it's yeah. uh, it's not in the writing. It's in the the character and the delivery and the attitude. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And Jeff, had you heard that about uh, him lifting those jokes from Otto and George? I did because again, yeah. Otto and George were Jersey guys. You know, I mean, yeah. you know, the puppy, you know, Otto was from my... Oh, uh, they were Jersey? Because they yeah, worked yeah. at Pips, I mean, right? You mentioned Pips. Yeah, well, well, the one yeah. guy, well, the one guy well, from Jersey. The other guy was made of wood. Yeah, that's funny, too. It was like with Gilbert. Everybody in New Jersey somehow worked with uh, Otto. And, mm -hmm. you know, so everybody everybody knew so yeah so when I, when I first started this and even before i was doing comedy yeah that was kind of like always kind of like the speculation that these were like you know he didn't write those uh nursery rhymes yeah i mean it takes it takes the steam out of somebody when that's basically what got him famous you know it's like that's kind of their big thing and it's like you know it's really it hurts a little to like you know because auto and george auto who was short auto <laughs> was very tortured you know he's kind of a drug addict and stuff and i don't know you know i feel like he was kind of this tortured comic and i'm sure watching someone do your bits to a global level has got to be tough you know yeah. i mean i i've had some losers at the broadway comedy club take some bits but you know i can't imagine <laughs> like if they exploded i mean the guys that stole my jokes i don't have to worry about them ever getting big because they're not funny but i think <laughs> <laughs> but, the guys, but this i mean that's gonna be crazy can you imagine that anthony you're just like one day you turn on the tv and then it's just like some dudes just do a d for the course and it's just yeah. like in the stadium and you're like what <laughs> there's actually a guy in new what york doing happening? that joke right now <laughs> and you're like what it's like you know just the idea of that it's got to be insane yeah it's got to be uh, hard yeah let's you know Gilbert Gottfried let's talk about Gilbert rest in peace died this week uh last week I guess but uh yeah he was I you know he was definitely a huge comic of the 80s as well you know I feel like Gilbert Gottfried was uh you know he was another one that was kind of this character ridiculous you know kind of thing that we you know heard all the time i feel like his voice was everywhere you know it was in movies aladdin whatever he was always like he'd make a cameo and that voice is just crazy squinted his eyes and did this crazy you know stuff and i felt like he I don't know. He definitely made an impact, you know, on so many people. It's funny that you said that about the pictures. I mean, it was like, I feel like everybody had a photo with Gilbert Godfrey, you know, it's yeah. just like, because he was, and I think he hated photos, but he just wouldn't say no. That's how nice of a guy he was. And, um, yeah, I was telling Anthony on another uh, thing we were doing, but, uh, I worked with Gilbert Godfrey in Atlanta once 
And uh, we we went to the mall, which was funny. I was just like hanging out with Gilbert Godfrey at the mall. Like we sh- we shared a cookie, you know. Like just- <laughs> you guys are dating. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much, and uh, we were just kind of walking around. He was the Martin Julius, you know. And uh, yeah, did you pay for like, it? Uh, of course, he was so cheap. <laughs> and uh, it's and you know, we just walking around, and people recognized him and stuff, and it was kind of fun. And then the funny thing was, we did a we did a radio promo for uh uh at a strip club and so they were doing a radio promo for the performances we were doing and then it was at a strip club and so i, I was at a strip club with you know with Gilbert godfrey it was during the day so it was kind of the b team you know and uh here's the, the funniest part about it was at the strip club it was uh and i'm not even making this up i swear i'm not i'm not this i'm not this funny it was taco night at the strip club and so it was free tacos <laughs> at this strip club. And so they were promoting all the free tacos to people that walked in and then they're fixing it. And then I remember, uh, cause Gilbert was very germaphobic and he was sitting at the bar and they gave him a big plate of tacos. <laughs> and, and then this dancer straddles like on, she's basically on top of his meal, just like grinding down above his tacos and the look of, of mixed emotions in Gilbert Godfrey. Like you can tell he's excited, but he's disgusted. He's excited, but he's disgusted. And he's just kind of like, what do I do? Like, it was just like a, just a ridiculous, funny moment that I you know, got to share with him. But anyway, he was great. So rest in peace, Gilbert. Yeah. It's and it's funny you you mentioned Gilbert Godfrey because one of my favorite things that he did was his Andrew Dice Clay impression. Oh, it was amazing. I, which I like more Andrew than Andrew Dice, Dice Clay Godfrey. himself. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, uh, what, was that like a roast or something? I got to check. No, that. no, he, oh, he, did, he did on this on Stern, on Stern and, Stern and he did it on one of his specials, I think, too, oh, or it was yeah. a some TV yep. thing. Uh, he started on Stern doing that when he. When when they were both in the studio at the same time. Oh really? Oh, oh yeah, great. it was amazing. So funny. Uh, yeah, I definitely want to check that out. All right, very cool. So, uh, you know, last week I, I heard you guys. How did it go last week with the uh, Anthony picking? Which album did you pick? Anthony was I can't I remember picked, that. Uh, Neutral name. Milk Hotel uh, in the airplane over the sea, uh, and wow. Jeff used a, a slur. <laughs> Right. He hated it so much he called us a slur yeah, for of, liking uh, the album. One of Dice Clay's favorite words. Yeah. Really? <laughs> yeah. You know, did what did Jay say? Did uh, Jay get, I don't know if anyone said anything. Yeah, I, I wasn't, nobody said anything. Yeah, don't do <laughs> Yeah. Don't do that, Jeff. All right, don't call people <laughs> people on the show. Okay. That's how much he hated. <laughs> I only said it because I meant it. Yeah. <laughs> wow! Yeah, really? Yeah, I was surprised. I did that. I didn't think he would love it, but I didn't think he. Would oh, I hated it. That I, I thought it was good. I thought it was. Um, I thought the music was great. I thought the very talented, you know, the compositions like the the music was fantastic. The guy's voice was kind of like you know. I don't expect a lot of weird music for the voices to be that great. Sometimes I felt like it was a little. A little off tone for me, but I, I thought it was good. I thought it was uh, experimental, at least. These are one the same old bullshit, you know. But it, I thought it was good in some ways. But uh, but the voice was a little much. I don't know if you guys quoted me, but I uh, yeah, after listening did. to it, we, we did. did yeah. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, the Adam Sandler thing was like weird. It's like I was thinking about Anthony a lot during it because he does you know the songs and stuff. And uh, how did you like that album, Anthony? The Adam Sandler dog gonna laugh at you. I uh, I really so. This one I didn't love, but I liked okay. the one after it. Uh, okay. What is it called? What What the hell happened to whatever yeah. it is? Uh, you know, the Hanukkah song and Steve Polychronopoulos. And I grew up with that one, like, you know, sixth grade yeah. or something. I got I got that one. And uh, I was surprised by by how much I <laughs> it was hard, by how hard it was to listen to some of this stuff, especially because the last Adam Sandler special I loved, the one yeah. that came out in like 2018, I thought... Yeah his songs were very funny. And uh, so it was, I, I expected to like that album a little more. The, the first, that first well, one. Well, the sketches were rough, you know, <laughs> I mean, the sketches were, I mean, I, I mean, probably the most unfunniest sketches I've ever heard in my life. Um, <laughs> there was nothing funny about any of them. Not even a little bit. Mm. It's like, it was basically, I'm peeing for a long time. Oh, yeah. He's mad. Mm. He can't get up the stairs. Uh, like it was just, like, <laughs> just the most annoying sounds he could make with his voice. 
Oh, yeah, was I was going, no! I mean, it's phenomenal. After you listen to it, you're like, how did this guy get so huge? Yeah. Big, I was actually I mean, insulted I, as a musical comedian after listening yeah, to it. Yeah, it was like, well, the music stuff was okay. Like, Because the, the reason I liked the music stuff was like, because one thing I was just, you know, I was listening and I was thinking of you. It was because, you know, he basically he's really enjoying himself when he's doing the song. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I would, I, one critique I would say to you is like, enjoy yourself a little bit. Like Adam Sandler, <laughs> you know Because I, mean? <laughs> I think people, like he's really enjoying himself. It's like, you know, when we get on stage and we're just like straight faced and we do stuff. And I think that's what saved him with those songs. It was, he's just yeah, so yeah. silly and he's laughing and he's just like, you know, he's having a good time. And he's, I, you know, it's like, and he's just ridiculous. The songs I didn't mind. But the sketches just drove me crazy. I was just like, <laughs> oh, my God, you got you have David Spade. You have people from Saturday Night Live involved yep. in this. And this is what you're coming up with. So <laughs> I yeah, like the yeah. buddy one. Hey, buddy. Yeah, that was kind of funny. Hey, that buddy. Was... Hey, dude. Hey, hey dude. yeah, that yeah. was that wasn't bad. But uh, yeah, I was well, I'm glad you guys let me talk about it because I wanted to talk to you about it because I just felt like because I was listening in the car and I was almost crashed the car a couple of times. It was so bad. <laughs> I was just like, what? <laughs> this guy's like a billionaire, too. But it goes to show you, if you just aim for 12 year old boys, you can make a lot of money. <laughs> so, and I think that's why Dice made money, too. I think it's like, yeah. And guys like Jeff. But um, <laughs> it, it was of the time. It was. It the was. Time. Did you wear the backwards hat today because because of dice? No, because I've been running. Ar- to... I've been running around <laughs> since like nine thirty. No, no but it just weird. he that's looks. What, that's that's, that's what it, that's, that's what everyone in the crowd looked like. I imagine. No, at, at a no, dice special. No, no, every, that's the nineties. That's no, the 90s. everyone <laughs> had like a pompadour and oh, sideburns. Okay. Yeah, that's and the nineties. Yeah, that's Lynn Biscuit, bro. That's Fred Durst. <laughs> he ruined he ruined music as well. There's a great documentary, Woodstock '99. If you guys get a chance, oh it's, yeah, that was good. Yeah, that is good. It's great. It's, oh, you guys saw it. That's great. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We'll talk about that sometime because I feel like that was. I mean, it, it, it's just ridiculous. Because I feel as performers, we have a little bit of responsibility, and like he just made it worse. It's like, yeah, tear it down, and that, that, people freaking out. Um, Cool. All right. So let's get into this. Um, I think we all have guilty pleasures. Um, and mine was to try to find an album that Anthony would not like. And which I think is a funny concept we're doing here. <laughs> yeah, that's fun. <laughs> they succeeded um, I, last week, by the way. I'm sure it did. I'm sure it did. I'm sure, I'm sure this will be a success as well. Um, but yeah, I think um, I don't necessarily love this album, um, mm. but it does take me back to junior high and it takes me back to a place where, you know, this guy was playing on all the, you know, any day, you know, dance we had at school, this, this, you know, this, his songs were playing. I feel like the radio, you could not get away from this guy on the radio. Um, this guy was probably one of the biggest radio guys, um, probably of all time. Like his, I mean, his songs were just blasting the radio. They're constantly blasting. They're still blasting today. And uh, Brian Adams, um, you know, we we try not to uh, feature Canadians on this show, but um, <laughs> just as a rule, you know. It, <laughs> but, but once in a while, you know, we'll give one a break. Um, and uh, Brian Adams, uh, with songwriter Jimmy Valance, uh, Jim Valance, uh, created this album. Uh, this is the fourth studio album, uh, Reckless. Maybe 1984. Uh, I don't think uh, he's been able to follow this album. Uh, this is his most successful album of all time. There were six, uh, you know, singles on this. They all did really well. Uh, you know, number one, top 200. Um, <clears throat> Run to you, big song. Somebody, heaven. That's the song I'm talking about. When heaven. the slow dance song that we all we all got a cop a feel off that song. And uh, summer of '69, which I think is a perfect radio song i think it's a really good song one night love affair i could probably do without it's only love i mean you, you're bringing in tina turner so it's you know it's it's a good time um yeah i feel you know there's a here's a funny one uh they <laughs> they, they rated this as number 49 
as uh, on one of these sites as top heavy metal albums of all time. What? Like, <laughs> number 49 of this weird list. I was like, what? Um, but all six singles made top uh, 15 Hot 100, uh, which is only accomplished oh, wow. by uh, the Thriller album and Born in the USA. And uh, if there's bad songs on this album, I'm going to, there's quite a few. I'm going to go uh, uh, Kids Want to Rock probably makes me want to slip my wrist um and she's only happy you know i feel like the singles are good and then the things that aren't singles are a little more difficult to listen to unless you're you know you want more lullaby music you know love music or whatever you know the love songs ain't gonna cry and all that stuff is pretty good um yeah, I mean, you know, th- believe it or not, this album was recorded kind of in a cool way. It was recorded in uh, Hell's Kitchen uh, at the Power Station, which is kind of this cool studio in Hell's Kitchen. And where Bob Dylan, Bruce Springsteen, Madonna and David Bowie all recorded albums wow. there. And, um, you know, and it, one interesting thing, Run To You, uh, it was actually rejected by Blue Oyster Cult. And uh, <laughs> they were like, nah, we're good. And mm-hmm. and then it was actually one of uh, Brian Adams' biggest hits, mm-hmm. and so um, so yeah, I you know like I said, this is you know this is a good album of far as of the time, if you will. I think that the, the theme of the show today is of the time, and for 1984, you know, it was like a lot of synth music was happening, and so he's kind of a he's a kind of a poor man's pop. Springsteen, if you will, like it's not as soulful as what those guys are doing, but um, you know, it's good radio music. I feel like Brian Adams, you know, uh, I, when the sum, summer of '69, I think that's such a great song because it's like you know, all those guys from that band are like, "Fuck you, man," because because <laughs> you know they all got married and went back to school, and then like he did a song about them not making it, and then he's a huge star. So I think that's kind of funny. Like you know, when that song comes on, it's like, "That's me. I'm Jimmy, and I got married." <laughs> and <laughs> so so I do like that song, and Heaven is a soft spot for me. I'll crank it up just because I remember this this girl from junior high but uh yeah it's you know i figured anthony is it's not up your alley but it is a guilty pleasure for me i will i will crank up some brian adams occasionally and so and this is definitely his best album he did the theme the theme song from robin hood was pretty big and i think that song was gigantic but um this album is probably his best work if you will and uh so anthony how did you embrace Brian Adams' Reckless? <laughs> well, okay, I didn't hate it as much as Jeff hated uh, Neutral Milk Hotel. Yeah, because you're diverse. Uh, I, uh... <laughs> I'm not diverse. I, 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 just, I just don't like crappy... You say the F word. You're not diverse. Go ahead. <laughs> no, I am not diverse. I just, I just hated that album. Unexpected. You're it's a awful. homophobe who listens to, class, to, to Broadway musicals. <laughs> I know I know a gay guy. I'm not homophobe. Oh, you know him. <laughs> you know yourself. Anyway, go ahead. <laughs> well, I don't have him in my house, but still. <laughs> oh, my God. You let yourself in your house. Anyway, go ahead. Oh, my God. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, I, didn't, I didn't like it, but I didn't hate it. It's just, uh, you know, it's, it's overproduced. Uh, it's it's. Uh, what songs I, did you I, like? What are songs that you liked? I, uh, well, I grew up hearing "Summer of '69" and "Heaven." Actually, I didn't even know that that song was was Brian Adams or that it was on that album. I just remember hearing that song growing up. Um, but I didn't recognize. You said there were like six singles. I didn't really recognize anything else. Those were the two. Yeah. Mm. that were just everywhere and still like you said still getting right to you was pretty big that was pretty big was it okay <laughs> yeah I, I missed that one i don't know uh i just felt like this was an album that i didn't need to listen to um it didn't uh i and i i have a hard time imagining that somebody puts this on and goes like fuck yeah <laughs> this is it right here I, you're, you're about it, to hear that in a minute from a guy on the show <laughs> it just it does nothing for me but yeah. it didn't make me angry. You know, I can, I can you, almost you appreciate s- it. 
Do you sing along to Summer 69? I do. I think it's no, a good one to sing. No, I think it's okay. cheesy. The lyrics are cheesy, you know. First with six. Oh, come on. But I did. <laughs> I do kind of, I don't know if this is true, but I do kind of like that. I, I, I did read somewhere that he's not talking about the year 1969. Mm-hmm. He's just talking about 69ing. What? So that makes I've the song heard that too. Cool. Really? And it was just the summer where he was 69ing all <laughs> <Yep>. the time. <laughs> so that's kind of... You learn a lot cool. of stuff on this show, kids. Just so you know. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I would say I this... this <laughs> maybe. I think, it, it, I think he just made that up to be cool. To know? sound People, cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I would just say this album didn't make me feel anything. Yeah, I mean, this album did a lot for him. More than it did for you, that's for sure. Because uh, <laughs> he, his first two albums were flops, and they said that originally he was going to uh, name uh, "Cut Like a Knife," which is the album before this in '83. Mm-hmm. He was going to name it um, "I'm Brian Adams." I don't know who you are either. That's that was what he was going to call it, <laughs> which I thought would have been really cool. He should have done that. That's a good name. I might use <laughs> yeah. that name. Yeah, right. We might all use it. Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, Adam, how are you uh, with? Uh, Brian. Well, I think uh, I, I think uh, guilty pleasure album is accurate for this. I definitely have a soft spot yeah. for it. It it uh, you know I, I always when I listen to this I always think of the shore and um, yeah. you know listen to this listening to this growing up. Uh, I, I like the first six songs on it. I think after that it just the last four are terrible. But um, but I mean the, the first six were all hits. Um, yeah, yeah. But uh, you know, um, summer '69 and heaven were big school dance songs. Um, yeah, I yeah. remember those yeah. and, and, uh, the, everything I do, I do it for you, uh, Robin Hood song too. Those three were, yeah. oh, were right. staple. That, that was, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And, um, I for you. But he did that with Sting and Rod Stewart, right? Yeah. Yeah. What? And, um, everything I do, I do it for you. That's Sting that and Rod was, Stewart uh, wrote it. But it's either, they they know the three of them did a song together. Is either that or All for Love? Maybe it was All for Love. I think it was All for Love. Yeah, that was that was Brian Adams' uh, showcase vocal. Like he's a, he's all by himself on that. Yeah, I mean he got some talented people with. I mean Tina Turner being on your yeah. album is pretty cool. That is cool, but the song is sort of forgettable. You know, you get oh. Tina Turner, and it's like it's not even that catchy. Oh, but she does a great job. On, on the song well, it's Tina great. Turner she's very pop radio as well so you know like she's great but you know some of that 80s stuff is just you know it's, it's radio music radio music like you know it's a different kind of thing you know it's like yeah. you, it needs to be short it needs to be catchy if you want people to play it it's got to have a certain you know so I feel like it, it hurt a lot of artists because they were trying to do music like that like I'm yeah. sure Brian Adams could jam you know as good as probably oh, yeah, any yeah. Punk band he's a talented you know, guy or yeah so it's like I would always would love to see radio people just not worry about trying to get on the radio, you know, and probably be yeah. better music. That song you had two of the biggest stars of the eighties, Brian Adams, Tina Turner with uh private dancer. I mean, yeah. and then they t- came up for this. I thought that song was great. Yeah. And they toured together. Yeah. So that, that was great. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Know? They did. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. The, uh, I think that's what exploded Brian Adams. Yeah. So everything <laughs> I do, I do it for you is just, just Brian Adams. But uh, yeah, I thought yeah. uh, I thought the best song on this album though is "Run to You" and and you know with um, you know maybe "Summer '69" is Springsteen light, but but "Run to yeah. You" has that darker <laughs> kind of darker edge to it. It, it felt like uh, Springsteen's "I'm on Fire" or even it could have been oh yeah a song on a Joe Jackson stepping out. It, it seemed to fit that oh, area. I don't know if I'd go that far. <laughs> I mean that's a great <laughs> album. But... That's, that is a great no, album. There's a reason that. Blue Oz uh, Cult turned it down. So yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they had to release "Burning for You" part two. Yes, yeah, so. exactly. All right, the man of the hour, the, the F word himself. All right, yeah. yeah I love... <laughs> I'm gonna use the I word for Anthony. Yeah, but uh, th- this is a great I album. Heard. I don't know what the hell you're talking about, not man. Not this... people names. It's like he has every right, and I like it. No, he doesn't. Uh, <laughs> I don't have a right. You have, don't have that. Well, here's the thing. I, you're right about it being overproduced, but the reason why it's overproduced is produced by Bob Clearmountain, who was I remember at around this time. I was, you know, I had the record store and I was getting into uh, uh, sending out my resume, trying to get into record company. I remember Bob Clearmountain was considered at that time, maybe the biggest 
pop producer uh, on the planet. He had done Bon Jovi and Springsteen, mm. and he worked with everybody. So when so to, to him, for him to produce out this album, you know, it, it, it was all the cards were there. But the songs are great. I, I love One Night Love Affair. I think it's my favorite song on the album. I think It's Only Love is tremendous. Uh, Run to You, I still think is great. Somebody is is a is a great fun anthem song. You know, again, these this is yeah, all the singles very, are good. Yeah, yeah, these are these are very very eighties. I kind of agree with you where um, the other songs, and there was one that you mentioned that I I think is kind of cringy, but overall, I mean, this this is a really strong strong album, and this is one he's one of the biggest acts. He's probably a top ten act of the nineteen eighties, and that's pretty good. Yeah, yeah, it's you know, it's it's you guys also understand that um, Anthony's a lot younger than you, so <laughs> let's make that clear. And so, so I he's think like, he is though <laughs> he's pretty young. So when we were coming up as adults and junior high kids or whatever, it's like this this music was like yeah, it was more of our vibe and the world that was happening. And so, but to, to be born early and to get into this, it's like, I could see where, you know, cause it, it's just a different, it's a different energy than we, cause we had lover boy and shit. Like we, we, we were like buffered to get to Brian Adams. You know what I mean? Like you have to have a lot. I think a lot, what makes Brian Adams good is you've had a lot of the music before that. And so, but if you're just, if you just like, discover brian adams and you haven't listened to a lot of that kind of music a lot of radio music i don't think it's as good but you know but if you listen to Audio speedwagon then you listen to brian adams it makes mm. sense like it just it's like point. an evolution into listening yeah, yeah. to music whereas if you go from this kid's listening to the ramones and he goes straight into <laughs> brian adams it's like you know what i mean it's not gonna it's not he's not gonna embrace it so i yeah, think a lot of the music i grew up with is sort of like uh the anti-brian adams like a direct exactly. response to music like that all the yeah. punk stuff it's, and nirvana well, do you like, do you like sinatra um i mean there's a handful of songs i mean because the 60s 70s music is kind of almost like anti-sinatra it's not rock and roll but i still have an appreciation like sinatra yeah i have been that was before my time but I have an appreciation for a lot of stuff that's before my time, but the, the, I mean, even down to the production, it's not, it's not the stuff that I love. I think rock music's different though than like, let's say classical or jazz or something like that. I think it's a little different because we're all too young for jazz and classical music. You know what I mean? Like it's not a part of our, upbringing you know if you if, if you know what I mean? unless you're like 107 you know what i mean like yeah, it's yeah. like it's, <laughs> well, it's brian like, adams is like smooth jazz you know it's like kenny g and you're like but you like coltrane why don't you like kenny g you know that's well, still, like, i don't think he's he's smooth jazz he's, he's pop he's just like he's pop music of he's pop rock he's yeah he's but MTV. there's no well i don't know what the the jazz equivalent would be besides smooth jazz well, just so you know, Anthony, he's very avant-garde because his video was shot in black and white. Just Ooh, so that's true. I take it all back. <laughs> One of my favorite, my top, uh, he's on my top Natural 50 metal, heavy metal albums. Have a, a, a video? <laughs> they do. It's just them strangling a guy that looks exactly like you. Yeah. <laughs> that's the only time oh, I'll ever be able to yeah. do it in a video. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, but like I said, I'm not trying to be cool here and act like I don't like Brian Adams. I I do like the the songs, that you know the the four hits I like, you know, gotcha. and I I like the uh, you know the Robin Hood song and stuff. But it's you know, but it's all. It, but like I said, it taps into kind of this period in my life. It's not necessarily where I'm at now, but I can appreciate it on the radio. I can appreciate it when it comes on. Um, you know, I'm not going to go out of my way to really listen to it, but it's, it's good. And he did great. And it's, and talk about perseverance. Like he, he's a guy that could have totally just fizzled out. And after the first two albums and been a guy that, you know, you would never heard of. And then just kept going and kept trying to, and he really tried to perfect this album because he wanted this because He knew didn't have a lot of shots after this. Just cut like a knife was pretty popular, but I don't think it was like arena popular. Like this became, and yeah. so, and I think he's also a product of MTV. I think MTV exploded him into into this stardom as well because it's like is that video? Those videos were on the loop, man. And so, mm -hmm. you know, I think that's also part of it. I think but, one of the B sides on this was also the Christmas uh, song, something about Christmas time. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's uh, yeah, you know, 
Brian Adams. So every, so every Christmas season, you're going to hear Brian Adams. Which, you know, I mean, Anthony doesn't celebrate Christmas, so we're okay. <laughs> 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 All right, guys. So, uh, yeah, so next week we'll have uh, we'll have some other uh, interesting way to, like, make each other. I'm going to do this for a while. I think it's really funny. <laughs> just, like, try to find somebody. Because we're funnier when we disagree. Huh? Am I right? Yeah. No, you're not right. No, I don't <laughs> agree with that at all. No. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to us. And please, please, please subscribe to our brand new YouTube page, uh, Dustin's Vital on YouTube. Uh, Adam did a lot of work putting that up. So please uh, subscribe. we got to get to 100 mm-hmm. by the end of the month so we can make a fancier page. So yep. please subscribe on there, guys, and, uh, and check us out uh, every week on uh, twitch on comedy hub and uh we'll see you new see you soon can't talk all right bye records love you guys bye dustin brain fog insomnia moodiness achy joints weight gain maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older or that's what your doctor tells you but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a Midi clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com.